1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then the gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Father, we come to hear from you and you alone. Father, um, this is a controversial subject. Father, I understand that. Lord, I ask for your mercy. Father, I ask that it, uh, by your great pleasure, you show us the truth about this, uh, this gift. Father, you are the God of miracles. And Father, I just ask that you show us through your word, not through experience, not through hearsay, but what your book says. And Father, I pray that even now, you're preparing our hearts to hear. To your praise, to your glory. Amen. We are looking, your outline in there, you'll see that there are gifts of men, there are gifts that strengthen, and then there are gifts that signal. And we are looking at gifts that signal. And part of that signaling in those gifts um, is there is the gift of miracles, which is literal in the Greek, power. The gift of powers. Then we've looked at the gifts of healings, and now we are dealing with the gift of tongues or the gift of languages. Um, there was great controversy in the Corinthian church over this gift, much like there is today. And uh, I have been laying the foundation for this because it is important that we understand. And one of the things that I've shown you in the last two weeks, specifically on the gift of tongues, but really on all spiritual gifts, the Apostle Paul has spent a lot of time. He takes a whole chapter in the letter to the Corinthians, and that's the only place tongues is dealt with outside of the book of Acts. It's not in Romans. It's, which deals with spiritual gifts. It's not in Peter, which deals with spiritual gifts. None of the letters is that subject dealt with. And then I'll show you today that even in the book of Acts, it ain't that often. Okay? But one of the things he's shown us, and we've looked at in the last couple of weeks, is what I call the position of tongues. What is its position and importance when it comes to spiritual gifts? And I have literally showed you that a spiritual gifts are two basic foundational things that we have to understand about spiritual gifts. One, they are not for God. Okay? God does not gift a man so that the man can gift back to God. Okay? It's not biblical. All right? The second thing is, the spiritual gift is not for the individual. The spiritual gift is for others. My gift is for you. Your gift is for me. All right. So anytime that I see a person take any spiritual gift and say they are ministering to God with it, I know they've perverted the gift. Anytime that I see a person take any spiritual gift and say, I am doing it for my own edification, I know they have perverted the gift. Okay? So we've got that clear. I showed you that it's not a prayer language. You can take every prayer that is written in the epistles. You can take every prayer of Jesus, every prayer in the Gospels, every prayer in the New Testament, every prayer in the Old Testament, and show me the language. It is so that the hearer understands. So it's not a prayer language. All right? So what is the gift of tongues? And that takes me from the position of tongues, which means it does not edify 
Okay, has no ability whatsoever to strengthen the body of Christ. The gift of languages that strengthens the body of Christ is the one who interprets. Then what the heck is the gift for? Why did God give a gift that has no purpose? I mean, it is it's going to strengthen. Why do I get a spiritual gift if it's not to strengthen the body? Thought you'd never ask. If you would move over to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, and we'll look at verses 20 through 25. I'm going to springboard out of that after I show you what the gift is for. So we've looked at the position of the gift of tongues. Okay, now then. Verse 20, chapter 14. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. Right? What is he saying there? Okay, he's saying when you start thinking about something, don't be an idiot. Don't be childish in your thinking process. Don't be an infant. Don't be in baby talk. That's basically what the text is telling us. Then he says in verse 21, In the law it is written, By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Stop right there. That text is out of Isaiah. And he's quoting Isaiah. Do you know what Isaiah's job was? He was telling Israel that God is bringing judgment upon you. Okay? That was what... I mean, sign me up for that job. Okay? And that's what he was doing. And part of the text that he quotes there out of Isaiah 28 is saying that the Assyrians are coming and they will be of strange tongues and lips of strangers and I will speak to this people. This people in that reference there is who? Israel. I'm going to speak to you, Israel, through a language you can't understand because you won't hear me. You won't hear me speaking through the prophet. I know you're not going to hear me through the Assyrians. Okay, why? Because you're going to judgment. All right? So remember the the thought that he just laid out for you and I. I don't want you to be an infant. I don't want you into baby talk on this experiencing of gifts. All right? But he says, when it comes to evil, I want you to be scared of it. Act like a baby. All right? But when it comes to thinking logically, I want you to act more adult. Remember in chapter 1, he says, when it came to spiritual gifts, you're lacking none. None. Okay? Then he says this. Verse 21, he quotes Isaiah. Then in verse 22, he says, So then, now stop. Look what he says. He's not changed his topic, which he began in chapter 14. What is his topic? The gift of languages. So then, okay, referencing what was written in the law. So then tongues are for a sign. That means that when tongues is exercised, it is a sign of something. It is a signal of something. What would the signal be in your context? Judgment. Ain't it? Am I the only one that sees that? Somebody acknowledge me. Right. You hear it, but you don't listen. That's judgment. If the gospel is preached to you and you reject it, what is that? Judgment. That's judgment. If God says, thus saith the Lord, and you say, I don't care, you're under judgment. 
All right? If he says it in a different language and you don't care, guess what? You're still under judgment. All right? So when you see the gift of languages, what is it for? It is a sign. A sign of what? Judgment. All right? The gift of miracles. Powers. I showed you in the, in the New Testament that always dealt with the demonic realm. And it says that the realm that has the power over the demons is the kingdom of Christ. And it was a sign of victory even over the demonic host. All right? I showed you that the gift of healings was a sign over all that would ail men. And I'm, talking, I'm not talking about uh, somebody in Tulsa's got a headache. I'm talking about where somebody has been paralyzed from birth can stand up. Somebody who's been deaf, never been able to speak, now speaks fluently. I'm not talking about this one leg shorter than the other stuff. I'm talking about divine intervention into the natural. Okay, And it was to prove that the kingdom of Christ was greater than what man could suffer. All right? Gift of tongues. What's it for? Judgment. Unto who? This people. Who is this people? Israel. So Paul says that the gift of tongues is a sign. All right? Now look what he says. Not to those who believe, but to who? Unbelievers. I really, I can't believe that we have bought lock, stock, and barrel ecstatic babble. Read your Bible. I've seen people do quaaludes and sound like they're talking in tongues. Okay? They're trying to talk, but they can't make it. Oh, I don't know what he's saying. It ain't the gift of tongues. It's the person stoned. That ain't hard to understand. I don't have to be a rocket scientist. What is the gift of tongues for? It's a sign. To who? Unbelievers. Contextually, it has to be unbelieving Jews. Because he quotes Isaiah and the judgment of, of, of Israel to by the Assyrians. So what's the gift of tongues for? Listen, I started this message out years ago, I think. <laughs> okay. And and I told you, I don't believe in the cessation of miraculous gifts. I believe there is the gift of languages. But I also believe that there is a specific reason for it. What is it? It is a sign from God. To whom? Unbelieving Israel. That ain't hard. That ain't hard. I don't don't see what's complicated about it. Look what he says next. Look what he says. Okay. It is not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Look what he says. Now, remember the preeminence that I talked about in the first five verses of chapter 14? It says, but prophecy is for a sign. Not to unbelievers, but to who? To believers. See the difference? When a man gets up and preaches, be- believers are truly encouraged by it. They want more. Okay, a true believer wants more. Give me more, give me more, give me more. Okay, if a person gets up and starts babbling in some kind of gibberish, a believer could care less. Could care less. I don't know what you're saying. It's useless. I don't care if it's a prayer language. I don't care what it is. If it's a prayer language, take it to your closet. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to get at? This, and that's why he starts this out in verse 20 saying, I don't want you to be infantile about this. Don't be a little baby. Why? The Corinthian church had a huge problem. And what it was, was a congregation of show-offs. I mean, I don't have any other way to describe it. 
Look what I can do. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. I can teach. I can preach. I can speak in tongues. I can do this. I can do that. Okay? This church was not lacking in any spiritual gift. Paul says this gift of languages, which you are now perverting, which you are now allowing the counterfeit to come in, is a sign. It is a sign to this people. What people? To the nation of Israel. What people is he talking about? He's saying, I am telling you that this gift, is a sign of judgment to unbelieving Jews and it is not to be used with believers. That's why they have the gift of interpretation is so that the believer will be strengthened. Okay? Every spiritual gift is for the strengthening of the body of Jesus Christ, period. All right? If you have the gift of tongues, that means you have unbelieving Jews in the congregation who are under God's judgment and the only way that the saints will be edified is if there's someone interpreting what is being said. Did you see that? Can you see that? Look what it says. Uh, Prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say you are mad? Amen. Amen. I've seen two idiots on television telling jokes in tongues, laughing their heads off. And the whole audience is laughing because they seem like they're a bunch of morons. And you know what I thought? They are. Why would you want to put that on film? I mean, even if you did it, don't film me. Good Lord, somebody could see this. If I'll prophesy and an unbeliever, verse 24, and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all and he is called to account by all. Do you see that? And the secrets of the heart are disclosed, so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. What gift causes that? Preaching. Preaching. You see that? You want to see people saved? Don't speak in tongues. Why? All you're doing is condemning. You want to see people saved? Preach. There's no other alternative. That's what it says. Okay, now then, I want to show you some things because I want you to see how the gift truly works. Right? I have three instances where I can show you that the gift is working. Right? So we're going to go to the book of Acts and we'll start with the one that everybody likes and everybody wants to use. It's out of Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Okay, this is Jesus has ascended. Okay, he's, he's gone to heaven. He's told them all to go back to Jerusalem and he would send the comforter down. The Holy Spirit would come upon them. And as soon as the Holy Spirit comes upon them, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and in all corners of the earth. Okay, this is what is happening. All right, guess what happened? Holy Spirit shows up. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to... Speak with other tongues, languages, as the Spirit was giving utterance. Now there were what? Jews, well, go figure, living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own languages. Okay, so you see right there that the gift of tongues is a known language. Okay, it's a known language, all right? But who is the crowd? Jews. And you're going to have believing Jews and unbelieving Jews. Okay, right? All right. 
Go over to chapter 10. This is, uh, Peter's struggling in his, in his walk in chapter 10. And here's the reason. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's struggling with the fact that the Gentiles are to hear, to hear the message. Okay. And there is a Gentile, Cornelius, who lives in Joppa, who is seeking God, the true God. And he says, the God of the Jews. Okay. Um, it, it begins... Um, Early in this chapter, uh, I'll, I'll show you uh, a little later. But uh, on the next day, he got up and he, he went away with them and some of the brethren, beginning here in verse 23. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called them together as relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius, now understand who Cornelius is, okay? He's a Gentile, all right? And I remember, Peter struggled with this. This is when he was up on the rooftop and the thing came out of heaven, had everything on there, and he says, eat everything, just be thankful and eat. And for a Jew, that's like, what? Yes, eat. It's all been blessed. I've made it all. All right, so Peter's kind of freaking out. And that's, that's sort of the doorway that God says, i got to get Peter to get off this Jewish jag and understand that this message is for all men. All right, Cornelius is in Joppa. Okay, and Cornelius is seeking God, and God comes to him and says, you need to get a hold of Simon Peter. He ain't far away, and he's having bad dreams. Okay, so he'll come over. Now, I mean, that's, that's paraphrasing. That's not in your, your Bible, but it's in there. I mean, you'll see it. It's Cornelius is having a dream. Uh, Peter's having a dream, and they all come together. So Peter shows up, all right? Uh, the next day he got up and um, accompanied him there. Uh, uh, the day he entered, now Cornelius was waiting for them. They all called together his relatives and his close friends. When Peter entered in, Cornelius met him and he fell on his feet and worshipped him. Peter raised him up and said, stand up, I am too just a man. Okay, see, Cornelius knew that this man was sent by God. All right, as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how lawful it is, unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has showed me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I asked for the reason you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house. And during the ninth hour, behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Now stop right there. Do you know what alms is? Okay, it's givings. It's giving to the poor. You know who Cornelius was giving them to? To the Jewish people. To the synagogue that was in Joppa. You see that earlier in chapter 10. Okay? So where is Cornelius involved? With the Jewish culture, where? In Joppa. Okay? Now Joppa is down the hill from Jerusalem over toward the coast. Okay, um, it's just outside of where uh, if you fly into Israel today, go into Tel Aviv, uh, you'll fly into the Ben-Gurion airport and it would be just a little bit southwest of the airport. Okay, the ruins of the city. That's where it was. So it's in the Jewish part of Israel. I mean, it's all right. Here's what he says. Your alms, he says, um, have been 
uh, remembered before God. Therefore, sent to Joppa, invited Simon, who also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying in a house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that has been commanded by the Lord. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And the word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing that took place throughout all of Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God appointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witness of all of these things, and he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. And God raised him up on the third day and granted him become visible. Not all people, not to all people, but to the witnesses who were close, chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. We we're ordered to preach to this people and solemnly to testify that he is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was speaking these words, that's the gospel right there, people. When I hear people tell me that they have to go figure out what the gospel is, I've got to go learn to take a class to share the gospel. Get saved. Get saved. That's the gospel. All right, anyway, while he was still speaking these words, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. All Now look what it says. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing what? In their own languages. Who was? Those who were circumcised. Who would that be? The Jews. So you see right there, when the Holy Spirit moved in to save people, even a Gentile, if there were Jews present, some are not going to get the message. They're not going to have the language. You see that? Okay. Keep your finger in there because we'll, we'll come back to it. Uh, but I want you to go over to 19 now. Acts 19. Okay. Here's the Apostle Paul beginning in verse 1, Acts 19. It happened while Apollos was in Corinth... Paul passed through in the upper country and came to Ephesus and he found some disciples. Now keep your mind on that thing right there. He found some disciples. Okay. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Okay, now listen, these are disciples. Who are these? Now look, read on, you'll see. He said, and he said, unto... Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. Okay. These were disciples of who? John the Baptist. 
Okay, remember John the Baptist was baptizing to repentance for the baptism that Christ would bring. Then when, then the, when the Holy Spirit came upon Christ and John the Baptist heard, this is my son whom I am well pleased, he says, don't follow me no more, follow him. All right, Paul has wandered into Ephesus and he has found some of John the Baptist's disciples who have not received the Holy Spirit. Okay, what does that make them? Jews. They're Jews. Look what happens. Into John's baptism. Verse 4. Paul says John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, and that is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in languages, tongues. And they entered in a synagogue, continued speaking boldly for three months, reasoning, persuading. That's how the birth of the church and church at Ephesus began. Okay? So I show you two instances, three instances, right? When the Holy Spirit came, there was the speaking in languages. Okay, is that the norm? No, it's not. All right? I want to show you something. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Um, Go to Acts 8. Verse 34. Okay. Philip's been over in the nasty place of Samaria. Okay. You know how many Jews there are in Samaria? Zero. Zip nada. Uh, They would not go through there. All right. And he runs into an Ethiopian eunuch. And the eunuch, verse 34, asks Philip and says, Please tell me of whom does the prophet. He's reading Isaiah and he's scratching his head saying, I don't understand Isaiah. And I agree with that guy. Isaiah. They tell me there are keys to understanding the book of Isaiah. And that's what a whole bunch of really smart people have told me. But they all hide the keys or they don't really know where the keys are. And they just keep saying there are keys to it. I just say, man, that guy should quit eating spicy food. Anyway, here's what he says. Okay. The eunuch answered Philip and says, please tell me of whom the prophet says this, of himself or someone else. Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he preached Jesus to him. And they went along the road, came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe in your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered a chariot to stop. They both went down in the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and they baptized him. He came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him. That would be a trip, wouldn't it? But, <laughs> but went on his way rejoicing. Okay, so the eunuch got saved. What language did he speak in when the Holy Spirit came upon him? Nothing. Nothing. There was no gift of tongues. Why? There ain't no Jews. There ain't no Jews. If there's no Jews, then I guess what? I don't need the gift. Please understand that. I really want you to grab hold of it. This is crucial to the understanding of this. So many of us struggle with this. Okay, Um, you can back up 
chapter 8, verse 4. You see, Philip scattered across preaching the word because Paul had started persecuting the church. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began to proclaim Christ to them. The crowds were with one accord giving attention to that Philip had heard and saw signs of which he was performing. Okay, you see what he's doing right there, right? Philip is doing miracles, performing signs. What? God is validating what Philip's message is that this is of God. And everybody's going, whoa, man, check out Philip. All right? For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, that's dunamis, the power, had unclean spirit. They were coming out of them shouting in a loud voice and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was much rejoicing in the city. Now the man called Simon, who was formerly a practicing magic in the city, astonishing the people with, uh, of where? Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, This man is called the great power of God. And they kept giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with the magic arts. But when he believed in Philip's preaching of the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And he observed the signs and great miracles taking place. And he was constantly amazed. Now, I want you to stop right there. Philip is literally turning the area of Samaria upside down. You see that? And I mean, all kinds of bizarre stuff is happening. Look what it says in verse 14. The apostles where? In Jerusalem, heard Samaria, received the word of God. They sent them Peter and John. The apostles, the guys, remember in Acts 2, who had the spirit come down like fire and they all began speaking in languages? They said, you telling me that the Samaritans are getting saved? Whoa, let's go see. But they're not that brave. Better yet, let's just send Peter and John. Okay, because that is Samaria. And those are worse than Gentiles. Samaritans are Jews who married Gentiles during the Babylonian captivity. Okay? And that is defiling the race of Israel, and therefore they were worse than a Gentile. Okay? So the Samaritans are nasty people, like us Gentiles. All right? They sent down Peter and John. They came down, they prayed with them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not fallen, he being the Holy Spirit, had not fallen upon them yet, and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They began laying hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. What happened? Nothing. Nothing. Why? There's no Jews. There's no Jews. Three times I can show you the gift of tongues, the true God-given gift of languages being used in Holy Scripture. Three times. All three times, Jewish community. Okay? So what were the Corinthians doing? Now go back with me to 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 20 says, I don't want you to be childish in your thinking. Verse 21 says, it will be through strange languages and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people. And even so they will not listen to me. Okay, this people, Jews. Okay, so he says languages. This gift is for a sign. Okay, not to those who believe but to unbelievers. And not only is it unbelievers, it's a specific type. Of unbeliever. It is a Jewish unbeliever. 
Okay? Do you see that? This isn't a complicated topic, but the problem is verse 20. We're infantile in our thinking. Well, I've seen it. Really? What did you see? Listen, I've seen ecstatic babble in an Indian sweatshop, a sweat hut. Okay? I've seen ecstatic babble at an Aerosmith concert. It was. It was uninterpreted. And you know what? It was for all of us unbelievers. Okay? We haven't got a clue to this day. I even asked the guy, what did you say? I don't know. Well, great. Okay? I remember dealing with some people that were in a cult and they did it. You can do it in Islam. You can do it in the Hindu teachings. You can do it in the Buddhist teachings. You can do it in voodoo. You can do it in some really bizarre stuff that you see in New Orleans. I don't think it's voodoo. I don't know what it is. Um, But you see a lot of it at Mardi Gras. Okay? So if I can see it all out there, why does it fit in the church? It doesn't. The Bible doesn't teach it. The Bible teaches languages. And it says that it will be through this languages that I will condemn unbelieving Jews. Anything short of that is a prostitution of what God has done. And you have bought the counterfeit. I told you last week, listen, brothers and sisters, if you seek something that God isn't providing, I guarantee you're going to get it. Okay? But I can guarantee you who's going to give it to you. And you ain't going to like him. I really wish I could get this through across to every Christian that I dealt with. Because this is important. There, the problem with the church in Corinth is, is that the God of the world had infiltrated the church and was wreaking havoc on it. Okay? You know what I see today? The God of the world has entered the church and is wreaking havoc on it. And the church is clueless. I I don't understand it. We started this 25 or 26 weeks ago studying spiritual gifts. And I started it out with this simple question. Are we ignorant of spiritual gifts? And yet it starts out chapter 12, verse 1. I don't want you to be unaware about the spirituals. And yet I look at the church today and what? It's unaware. Listen, what I just showed you, that, that isn't complicated. That is not complicated where you've got to parse the Greek verb and make sure is it, is it tongue S? Is that languages and tongue singular? Is, is, I think that doesn't that mean some kind of a static babble or this or that? No. Read it. He tells you what the gift is for. You know what? It's one of the few gifts that he tells you what the thing is for. And yet, I, I see people claiming healings, and I showed you 1.2 million cases of healings can never be validated. Okay? If I've got a doctor who's never had a survivor, I'm probably not going to go to him. I'm thinking, what do you think? If i got a healer who's never been successful, hmm, why would I keep going? If I've got a person who says they have a prayer language and it is for themselves back to God, that is not biblical. Why would I listen to them? If I have a church that says we believe in the gift and we exercise the gift of tongues every Sunday, I say you need to get a whole bunch of those Jewish people saved. We don't have any Jews. 
then what is it you're doing? Okay? Three texts in the book of Acts show the exercising of the gift of tongues. And those three texts line up completely with chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. I'm adamant about this, brothers and sisters. Guess you didn't guess that, huh? Why? It's a perversion. It, he even says here, people come in and hear you babbling in tongues. They think you're madmen. I look at some churches and think, they're madmen. I saw two men, and if I named them, you would know who they are. Standing up, telling jokes in tongues, laughing, and the whole auditorium of 20,000 people are laughing. And I'm saying, they don't know what they're saying. What are they laughing about? If I'm, if I'm a lost person, I walk in and think, what is this? And where can I buy some of it? <laughs> right? I don't understand this. And I watched the church just take off with it. But look, it happened. I've had people, I've had a couple of people's comments. says, well, Terry, I have experienced it. I don't care. Dude, I've experienced things too, but I know what I was experiencing was not God. Okay? I mean, listen, if you want an experience, I guarantee you, Satan is more than happy to accommodate you any way you want to be accommodated. Why? Go into a church where everybody's standing up speaking in some kind of gibberish. Take a lost person right in the middle of it and ask yourself this one single question. What are they going to think about your God? What are they going to think? That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at. He says, I want you to think mature. I don't want you to be an idiot. And that's what he's telling the church in Corinth. I look at the church today and I think, golly, how's come the church is ignorant on spiritual gifts? Why? Two basic foundations. I'm going to repeat them. Okay? Spiritual gift is not given to men to give back to God. Okay? Spiritual gift is from God to men to give to men. All right? Spiritual gift is not for self-edification. Spiritual gift is for the edification of all who will cross your path in the power of Jesus Christ. Those are two basic foundations for every spiritual gift. Okay? Third thing, on the gift of tongues, it is a sign. It says it's a sign. And it is a sign to who? Unbelievers. Okay? Next week I'll conclude this thinking because I'll show you how this, um, the procedure for the gift of tongues is operated. It's right there. It's right there. He explains it. This is how the thing works. Okay? Brothers and sisters, you need to be armed with the word of truth. Why? I don't have to go out and battle people for this. I don't have to go out and say, you speak in tongues, you moron, what's the matter with you? Okay? All I have to do is say, you ever read your Bible? Yeah. And it says you should desire gifts. It said, read the rest of it. Yeah, you should. I really believe. You should. Absolutely. Emphatically. I wish more of you would pursue more. Because your gifts are for me. And the more you are gifted, the more I get blessed. And I'm into that. Okay? But it says if you're going to reach the lost, you're going to do it through prophecy. If you're going to strengthen the saints, you're going to do it through prophecy. And the gift of tongues is for Jews who God has condemned. God chose to condemn them. Why? I don't know. Ask him when you see him. Why did you choose them? Because he wanted to. Why? There's a partial hardening, Paul tells us in Romans. Okay? And then when he gets done with the fullness of Gentiles, he will go back to the nation of Israel. That's what the whole book of Revelations is. I'm going to go back and get them people. Okay? 
Please, brothers and sisters, I, we don't have to go out and fight. You don't have to go fight, find a, a Pentecostal brother or Foursquare or whatever and, and say, you know, you, you moron. Uh, but I mean, even the text says, you know what? When you pray in a language, you don't even, your mind is fruitless. That's what Paul says. So you are accomplishing nothing. You're accomplishing nothing. And basically what you're saying is the Holy Spirit's talking to God and God just needs to talk to himself. I'm thinking that don't fit. I'm pretty sure God says, you know, I've already got this all worked out. Okay? So when they say, but tongues is all over in the Bible, you say, no. Three texts in the book of Acts deal with it. And one chapter in Corinthians deals with it. Okay, and the reason the one chapter is in Corinthians is because of the perversion that had happened in Corinth over that very gift. You notice that he doesn't spend a whole lot of time over the perversion of the gift of miracles? Why? It's kind of hard to counterfeit, isn't it? He doesn't spend a whole chapter on the gift of healings. Why? That one's even harder to counterfeit. Right? But if you're going to take any spiritual gift... Which one is the easiest? Languages. You know, fifth of vodka, and anybody can speak in any language. Okay? And it'd be spirit filled. Okay? Potato, potato juice filled. That's the stuff that, that, that's why when I look at verse 20, it says, I don't want you to be a baby about this. I don't want you to be an infant. And when I look at the church at times, I look at it and I say, She's an infant. She just gaga goo goo. And that's basically all she's doing. Watch put a baby down on the floor and all you're going to do is try to keep it from putting stupid stuff in its mouth. Right? Keep your finger out of the outlets. Quit eating that. Right? Same thing with the church and spiritual gifts. Quit putting that stuff in your mouth. Why? I had somebody ask me a question. They said, well, if tongues isn't here and this isn't that, and why is it? And I said, just read chapter 14. All you have to do is read chapter 14. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. I didn't struggle that hard to say, well, look, it says right here what the gift is for. Okay, so I cruised around, figured out where it was. And then I found out, you know what? It ain't in the Bible that often. Three texts in the book of Acts and what you have in Corinthians. That's it. Romans doesn't mention it. Ephesians doesn't mention it. Colossians doesn't mention it. None of the pastoral epistles mention it. None of, first and second Thessalonians, the first two books of the New Testament, they don't mention it. You know what? The Gospels don't mention it. I'm thinking, how important is it? Go look at some in the church today and you will think that tongues is the premier gift necessary for what? Making unbelievers think you're mad. That's what Paul says. It's just unbelievers that think you're out of your mind. And you know what? When I saw them two yahoos telling jokes in tongues, that's all I could think of was Paul's writings. Paul says that unbelievers would look at you as if you were insane. And I looked at these two guys on stage with this whole crowd of people laughing. And I thought, they look insane. At least if I would go see a comedian, I understand what he's telling me. Okay, but to have two guys up there laughing at each other, uh, claiming that they are under the influence of the Spirit of God, is shameful. Absolutely shameful. And I see it 
growing and it's crossing all kinds of boundaries. Uh, and and, and, I, and I, I just look at it and I think, Lord, why don't they read your book? All right, I am not here to pick on individuals. You know what? And if you've had a time where you were covered with tongues and you felt like you were praying or something like that, you know what? I ain't here to offend you. But I can't tell you this. If there's anything that's going to be counterfeited, that's number one on the list. Why? If he did it in Corinth, I guarantee you it's alive and well today. Anytime you're seeking something that God ain't given, Satan will give it to you. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And he'll give it to you with his blessing. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for for showing us your truth. Lord, I, I pray that people are not offended. But I pray, Lord, that they are willing to listen to what it is you say. Father, it ain't about us. It's about you. It's about the manifestation of Christ through your church. Individuals coming together with divine enablings that you give as you will, as you desire, as you deem necessary, that each of us may be knit together in the union that is Christ and Christ alone. Father, may that be seen in us. May we be knowing that unity has been given. We just preserve it in the bonds of peace, in the grace of love that you've poured in our heart. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you, Father, for bringing those who heard this day. Father, I pray that they walk with a confidence, not an arrogance, and that, Father, that they will walk submitted to your spirit so that they can refute um, so much error that is out there, but do it in, the, in, in love and do it through the power of your word and bringing it to bear on people. Father, it is our responsibility. We are our brother's keepers. And, Father, may we hold each other accountable. May we walk in a manner worthy, walk to the glory of Jesus Christ, And Father, again, with all of my soul, I thank you. I thank you for your book. I thank you for your spirit. And Father, I am just overwhelmed by your church and what you have given us in the body of Christ. Father, let us never take it for granted. Let us draw upon the strength that is Christ's incarnation in your people. And Father, may we rejoice at the days and the hours and the years, whatever you give us in front of us, to your glory and praise. Amen.